We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Last night, I had a little bit of a challenge as well. I, I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could enjoy the Cavs game or the beginning of the Cavs game like everybody else. Obviously, um, I, part of my drive was still when the game tipped off. But then I got home, and I think I, I talked to you guys yesterday. Uh, my wife had asked me, do you want to go see Christmas lights with us? And I, guys, speaking of, of you know, good tidings, glad tidings, and, and joy, I love Christmas lights. I, and I love, like, one of my favorite things every year. And we've done it everywhere we've lived. I love getting in the car with my three beautiful daughters and my smoking hot blonde wife. And now we got the pup. And I love just driving around and uh and, and looking at Christmas lights. And and we were in Aurora. People in Aurora, whatever neighborhood that is where they have like the lights strung along all their fences, you know who you are. You you did it right. But then I've got this Cavs game going on. And that game had like a playoff vibe to it last night. The cause I, I mentioned earlier that that last night was about as important of a game as you can have in December. And it wasn't just, well, the Bucks were the number one seed or are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Giannis Antetokounmpo is and has been the best player in the NBA over the last four or five years. It wasn't just that. You had already lost to the Bucks two times. So if you lose this one, 
you're kind of behind the eight ball in terms of – not behind the eight ball. You've kind of forfeited any sort of tie-breaking scenario that you could find yourself in at the end of the season. So your boy was tense. And we get like five minutes of the drive, and my, my sweet kids are like, Dad, can we, can we listen to Christmas music? And I kind of went full Judge Smales. You'll listen to the Cavs game and like it. And uh, But it was a wonderful night. Although I was a lot more silent, given how back and forth that game was early, I was pretty excited. When the first thing that I did here in the game was Isaac Okoro scored your first three points, and it was the corner three, which we... I don't know. That's a Christmas miracle. Isaac Okoro suddenly finding um, the confidence to shoot the corner three could completely change the trajectory of his time with the Cavaliers. That might sound like hyperbole. It really isn't. It's like when Jay Crowder went from being a guy that shot like 20% early in his career from beyond three to suddenly he shot like 32%. It still wasn't great. He still wasn't at league average, but he was making those threes enough that it did make him uh, a little bit more dangerous as a player. Just dangerous enough. Same thing with Draymond Green. Going from like a 27% three-point shooter to being like a 35 36% three-point shooter. Completely changed on the offensive side of the ball for Golden State how, how you could play with Draymond on the court. So with all that being said, that was one of the most fun experiences and one of the what I think might actually, right as of today, qualify as the best win for the Cavaliers. Because I know we do this thing in sports all the time where we get into the, well, almost. Well, Milwaukee almost got back into that. Well, Milwaukee pulled within 10 points. Well, Milwaukee was knocking on your back door there with, with three minutes to go in the game. I don't care about almost. Milwaukee, even though they got relatively close to the Cavaliers, that's a game that early in the season, even at home, the Cavaliers blow that game. They didn't last night. And some of that was, at least in the second half, some of that was the ridiculous third quarter Donovan Mitchell had. And it's so weird to see uh, an undersized combo guard go toe-to-toe with a ridiculous Greek freak who's seven foot one and 250 pounds and it can do literally almost anything on the basketball court and Giannis Antetokounmpo. But it felt like... I don't know. It just felt like a great matchup of of NBA stars, neither of whom was willing to back down. But then late in the game, some of the stops that they got, that that's what you need out of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it's so funny to me watching last night's game because I think there's not, there's not a lot in last night's game that we can take and we're going to be able to broadcast forward for if the Bucks and the Cavs were to, to meet up again in a seven-game series because both teams are going to change. You're going to change styles. You might change a couple pieces out on the roster. Um, injuries obviously change what you can do. Hopefully, if you're the Cavs, you're only going to continue to grow because, I mean, still to this point, you've, you've only played 33 games together. So I think sometimes in NBA communities, and it's a big thing on NBA podcasts, well, this game doesn't really matter because if these two teams meet up in the playoffs, uh, you're not going to be able to gleam anything from it. Last night's game mattered. Obviously, from the standing side of things, you're now one game outside of first place in the Eastern Conference. But last night mattered because 
the Cavs are at a spot where every single home game, until they figure out how to win, every single home game, they need to make hay. They've got Toronto coming up tomorrow. I, I Toronto is not in the same league as the Milwaukee Bucks. You need to be Toronto tomorrow. I think their last game at home before they go back out on the road is the 26. You're going to need to win that game. It's it's weird to say that because the Cavs already have the best home record in the NBA until we see the until we see them learn how to win on the road and it is like it really what it is is they need to learn how to play the same style of ball on the road that they do at home. Some nights that's winning by defense. Uh, last night it's winning by a hell of a lot of Donovan Mitchell and some key performances from. Uh, other guys, offensively, I'm talking, like Isaac Okoro. Jared Allen, by the way, I don't know how I have not mentioned his name. Uh, Jared Allen, and I, I can't remember who said this, Jared Allen might be my favorite Cavalier. Because Donovan Mitchell walks it, talks it, is an NBA star. Darius Garland, I think, walks it, talks it, will be an NBA superstar. I think Evan Mobley is the quiet one, and I think Evan Mobley at some point in the near future is probably going to end up being the best player on this team. Might take longer than we expected. I kind of was wondering if that was what this year was going to be about, Evan growing into a point so that maybe not this year, but next year he could he could ascend to that level. But Jarrett just does everything you need to win. Jarrett to me, and it, it, this is not a one-for-one one because their games are very different, but Jarrett to me... Uh, his game allows everybody else to play within their comfort level and allows everybody else. He's, he's the glue guy. He's what Draymond was for um, Golden State, the heart and soul. And then on top of it, just a really great all-around basketball player. Really, really, you know what? Great's overused. He's a really good, well-rounded basketball player that that knows his job and does it to perfection almost every night. I don't care how many points Giannis had last night. Uh, Jared Allen made him work. Go back and watch the first uh, time that Giannis drove to the paint. Now, by the way, I think he missed his first shot, and I think he even missed a put uh, putback. Jared Allen made him work. And when he wasn't working on Giannis, they're making Brooke Lopez work. That dude plays. That dude's perfect to play in Cleveland. That guy in Brooklyn, not appreciated by the fans. Right? Oh, yeah, he's a good player. That's not a great player. Right, that guy in uh in 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 La La Land with, with the Lakers. Ah uh, yeah, he's not he's not Shaq. He's not Wilt. He's not Kareem. Here, that that dude plays the perfect brand of ball for Cleveland. I wasn't even intending to go down the Jared Allen rabbit hole. I had other things to say about last night's game, but I blacked out and here we are. Two one six five seven eight double oh nine two. Huge win for the Cleveland Cavaliers last night. 82 wins, you can you can you can lose you can lose the luster of regular season games in when you have 82 regular season games. Last night was really important, and it was great to see them close out that game. It was great to see the way they played from the first tip, even when the shots weren't falling, and it was great to see Donovan Mitchell continue to to begin to cement his legacy as a Cavalier because that dude has it. He's not seven foot tall in a wing of leagues. He's not. He's an undersized combo guard, but that guy has it. The, the intensity, the skill level, the desire to be great. And honestly, 
It made me hurry home so I could watch the rest of the game on the TV, and it didn't make anybody else in my house happily. I had acknowledged on air that I was feeling some sort of uh, moral and ethical pull in my spirit as I walked in today, and Andy Baskin forgot to log out of his computer. And uh, this, this is giving me great power. And uh, I don't know that I'm the person that should be equipped with great power. I just don't think I should be. Because uh, I, I like to be mis- mischievous. That's, I don't know why that, that froze me up. But I did want to ask you guys, what should I Google on Andy Baskin's laptop? At Nick Wilson says on Twitter. Uh, you can also uh, follow me at Nick Wilson says on Instagram, but it'd be weird if you commented there about this. But however, find me however you find me. But we are asking about the Cavs here. And I thought um, I mentioned Donovan Mitchell. And I thought it was interesting, you know, he's scoring like 29 points a game. I don't even think he's in the top five in scoring. As of right now, there are like seven guys, seven or eight guys in the NBA averaging 30 points or more. And so I don't know how that that's going to impact his MVP chase. Let me just say, I think if he keeps playing like this, by the end of the year, he's going to be in that conversation. I don't think he'll lead that conversation because for an undersized combo guard to win that award, you have to go above and beyond. And more importantly, guys like Giannis, um, all the other, it's a wing league, all the other ridiculously talented and dominant wings have to all kind of take a step back from where they are now. But I had mentioned in that last segment about how Donovan Mitchell just is kind of the, he's been everything I think a superstar should be. Um, not only is he a ridiculous talent, his ability to score at will, I think he's bought into what they're doing defensively, even though he still has just natural limitations. And I, I think, I think you can see the progress, but I think more importantly, who he's been off the court, I think has been amazing just to hear his leadership and hear how he's trying to help this team, uh, mature. And he actually talked about maturing as a team last night. I love this from him. When the lights are at its brightest, the pressure's at its brightest, big games. And, you know, we can only get better. We can continuously get better. But I'm, we have a long way to go, but we've made a lot of progress, a lot more progress than I think anybody in this room, anybody's locker room thought we were making. That's a testament to our young guys. It's a testament to JB. It's a testament to everybody in this organization for believing in each other and holding each other accountable at the end of the day and to being able to be happy lucky like keeping that joy because it's a long season but then also when it's time like you know like I said DG was like hey you gotta strap up the Cavs have already passed one of the biggest tests for me for me to say that they can maybe have a real chance of winning the east right and that that test is being able to keep who they were last year while adding one of the 20 15 10 best players in the NBA you look around look what happens when teams uh, welcome in at least one superstar. I think I think the easiest case to point is the Nets. The Nets with Jared Allen and Karis LeVert and Kilpatrick and all these other kids. All uh, uh, Prince, uh, Torian Prince. All these guys did was go out and play gritty basketball, and they were a good team. This good good collection of guys, close team. And the second the KD, Kyrie, and the second those two guys got there, that went out the window. <laughs> That changed. The, the Who they were changed. And the Nets really kind of are just starting to find their way back to playing as a team. They've just been a collection of really good talents. The Cavs are still that little engine that could from last year. 
that that plucky upstart that played good defense and played real hard every night and 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 basically surprised teams. Well, this year you weren't going to surprise anyone. Donovan Mitchell, he's pretty good. He surprised everybody last year. Everybody knows Evan Mobley and Darius Garland and the talent. You are a known quantity now. So more often than not, you are getting teams' best crack, right? The, the easy wins, like the Spurs, right? The the, the Thunder, the Rockets, uh, the Magic. Those are teams that wouldn't have paid a lot of attention. You, they, they thought you were in the same league last year. You're, you weren't getting their best effort last year. More importantly, teams like the Bucks. Teams like the Celtics, teams like the 76ers and the Nets, those teams didn't really take you seriously in December last year. The Bucks took you seriously last night. I don't know that they're threatened. I think that's an interesting thing. Like, are the breath are, are the Bucks really threatened? I don't think the Cavs are a team that threatens um Milwaukee or any of the 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 kind of blue bloods, it's really Milwaukee and Boston who are the top of the, the the conference. And the reason being is you've got as of right now, you've got one superstar. So this year, do I think the Bucks are truly threatened by them? No. Fortunately, if you make a case in the playoffs, you can change other teams. That's the best place to truly change the blue bloods of whatever conference you play in, their opinion of you. They're probably not afraid of an undersized combo guard, an undersized point guard with a really talented young seven-footer who's still very early in his development and a guy in Jared Allen who I think most guys around the NBA probably view as a good player but not a great player. So they don't, they're not threatened by you now. But in the regular season, they know they can't half-ass it against you. And the Cavs' culture has survived that. The stakes have changed for the Cavs and – when adding a truly elite player, a superstar, it hasn't changed who they are at their core. If anything, he's adapted to your environment. That's the first step. You got about 17 other steps before I'll really know if the Cavs can win the East. From a talent perspective, though, I think I've seen enough to say that I think the Cavs already have enough talent to win. Now it's about health now it's about continued development. Now it's about a couple other things going your way for them to go from, ah, maybe they're the third seed to maybe they're the number one seed. Bill, I got to ask you, bud, right now, are you buying the Cavs as a true contender to win the East this year? Well, Nick, I, did, I am. I, I, I do buy that. And first off, I want to compliment you on your, uh, your work. It's uh, outstanding. I really enjoy listening to you every day. Well, thank you. I'm used to people insulting me, so it's really nice when somebody says uh, something nice. Thanks, buddy. You bet. Um, what I saw last night uh, was very encouraging, but I, as I've mentioned before uh, to some of the friends of my other basketball people, um, where we last night what we saw in the first uh, quarter was that when we went inside, we are definitely – maybe one of the better teams in the NBA if we move the ball into the paint. Mm -hmm. And what really separates Donovan Mitchell from everybody else at the guard position in the NBA is, in a way, Nick, he is not undersized. He is like 6'1", but he's got a wingspan of about 6'10 or 7 foot. And he's also built up above like a linebacker. 
And when he goes into the paint, he's not 6'1". He's about 6'4", 6'5". And then when he goes to the hoop, he's not like these light guards that you see uh, moving around on the outside, or even like a garland. He's like a big uh, power forward. Mm-hmm. And so what we saw last night in the first quarter where we got ahead by 20 points was Jared Allen had, well, I think Jared Allen ended up at 8 out of 10. Uh, Mobley, for some reason, didn't get a lot of shots last night, which he, I wish he would have. But, um, but um, Mitchell got a lot of points in the paint last night. And what I find with Milwaukee is if there's a weakness – if their it, their weaknesses is inside more than outside, and and Milwaukee wants you to get into a three point shooting thing with them, because mm-hmm. if you shoot threes and you miss it, the ball bounces out, and that's when Giannis does his best is getting out in the open court and getting down to the thing. So what you have to do is pack it in and make Giannis guard you. And I, what I've mentioned before to everybody, if I was going to tomorrow uh, manage the team. And I was going to play the Bucks. I'd make Giannis guard you in the paint, try to get him into foul trouble, and slow him down. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened last night, and that's why they were effective. Bill, we appreciate it, buddy. I think the interesting thing about Giannis, and I think he shot like last night, teams are willing to let Giannis drop 40 or 50, right? They just want to make him earn it the hard way. And teams are defending Giannis the way it felt like teams were defending LeBron for a really long time. Like, think back to the 2007 NBA Finals, where Greg Popovich said, all right, we're going to make LeBron beat us. All right, we're not going to let Mo Williams beat us. Actually, Mo wasn't on that team. We're not going to let Larry Hughes beat us. We're not going to let Zydrunas Ogowskis beat us. We're not going to let any of the other players beat us. Because LeBron's true superpower was his ability to get other people rolling. And by the way, it still is. He still has that ability, even though the guys around him are uh, might be the worst supporting cast now that AD's heard since the 2007 Cavaliers. But, like, I think Giannis, as an offensive player, because Bill was talking defensively, I think as an offensive player, I still think that's the superpower of Giannis. I know he can take anybody off the dribble at the top of the key, and I know he can power himself in. And I think in a different era, he's Hakeem Olajuwon, right? But he he just had to develop the skill set he has now because the era changed and the NBA changed. But, like, to me, when Giannis can go ahead and get Drew Holiday some good looks, right, from three, or when Giannis can get Chris Middleton going, or when Giannis just by force of nature, you put so much attention on him, I I think you see that residual effect. The other guys start to beat you. Last night, Giannis got, what was it, 45 the hard way, and it just didn't feel like, even though they had a decent shooting night, it just didn't feel like anybody else got going. And I think that is attributed to the Cavs' defense. And now that we're about 33 games in, because we got a couple more calls on this, 216-578-0092. I, don't, I think it's too early to say that the Cavs can win the East. I, I think they have the talent to, but there's more that I need to see before, you know, like we're probably about 60 games out. When, when we, so when they've got about 22 games to go, that's probably around the time we'll really know whether this is a three seed, a five seed, a seven seed, or a true potential number one seed. I think they have the bulk talent because you have at least one superstar 
And then you've got guys like Garland and Mobley who who I, I still don't think we've seen the best of this year. Bill was talking about uh, Mobley not getting a lot, a lot of shots off last night. I mean, I think, I think some of that was the product of Donovan Mitchell took over that game. And and Darius uh, also, I think, took 19 shots last night. But I I think now that we are 33 games in, I do think their ability to be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference is going to come down to how quickly Darius and Donovan can operate on an elite level. Because because for uh, the thing I wanted to wait for was, well, what, what's Evan Mobley going to give you, right? How ready is he to be the second best player on this team? He's not ready, right? The, the thing that I was wondering is how much, how can Evan and Jarrett offset kind of an undersized uh, backcourt? And by the way, they've done a decent job. I still don't think we've seen them do the best of that. But I really do think the key to this team being a number one seed or a number two seed or a number three seed, top three seed, it, it, I wasn't always sure of this. It absolutely is. How quickly can you get Darius Garland back to playing the way that he did last year? That level of basketball. He started out really good. He kind of had a dip. I was pretty good last night. But I I, I, I didn't. I wasn't certain that this was going to be all about Garland and Mitchell. Now I am. Cameron, welcome to the show, bud. What you got for us? Um... I just want to comment on three things. Um, I didn't see the post game with Giannis. Did he eat chicken wings or something in the post game? I don't know. Did he act nonchalant like he really did care? I don't know. I didn't. I did not watch the. Uh... The, the last time they played him at home earlier in the season, Giannis kind of was eating chicken wings up on the podium. Mm-hmm. His post game oh. meal. Okay. Not this time. Um, and, the, and the only other two things I got. Um, our rotation as far as the bench, like Kevin Love and the other guys on the bench, that's probably going to be the only thing. Once you figure out the rotation or who we going to have go in there, because you know we got our, our our top six, I would say that. But we need to get a little bit more deeper and a little bit more physical, playoff-style physical. That's the only thing I'm worried about. I think, you know, I think that's interesting, Cameron. Um, to me, it's about – it's about can Dean Wade and Isaac Okoro together be a third starter? I'm sorry, be your be your three. Dean Wade gives you an incredible amount of spacing on the floor that opens up things for everybody, not just uh, Darius and Donovan. Isaac Okoro is the guy that you can throw out in the final moments of the game that can be a defensive stopper. I think if those two guys can do that, I think that'll free you up to maybe move Karis Levert and kind of find your missing piece. But if they can't, you're going to have to keep relying on Karis LeVert. And I just don't think Karis fits. Even, even, if, even if he succeeds with Ricky Rubio off the bench, if, if, if we start to get that bench going, I, I think long-term, and by long-term I mean the rest of this year, at some point Karis LeVert will be made available for a piece that maybe fits more 3 and D, maybe more three-point shooting that you need there. These are two very different questions that I'm asking. There is, are the Cavs a title contender? That, you're not going to find out until we see this team in the playoffs. You're just not. The answer is, I don't think so, but I don't know. Because you just, you don't, you don't really know how far you are away from truly contending for a title. Like the, the Hawks. The Hawks made the Eastern Conference Finals a few years ago. 
The Hawks were never built to be a true championship contender year in, year out. That was a fluke, and everybody knew it, but we had to kind of wink, wink, oh, it's not a fluke. It totally could be a thing. It was not a thing. And they really haven't done diddly squat since. So with the Cavs, I, I just I don't even want to have – it's like the playoff conversation with the Browns. Like, I don't really see the point in saying, well, it's 1%, it's not going to happen. At the same point, I also don't want to even ingest any sort of chemicals that might make me go along with the idea that it could be possible. I just need to see the next couple weeks play out, and then at some point, maybe it is or isn't a real talking point. With the Cavs, I feel the same way about actually contending for a title, making it out of the East. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking about their ability to win the East in the regular season because that is a lot easier to do. We've seen a Toronto team that was not the best team in the Eastern Conference, most talented, even championship-worthy. We've seen that team win the East before. We've seen Boston Celtics teams that inevitably got served up to LeBron in the NBA Finals. We've seen those teams win the East. And I've seen a few people compare this this Cavs team to those Celtics teams. And I totally understand it. Because this Cavs team is not in the same talent league as the Bucks or Celtics yet. That gets proven in the playoffs like we just talked about. This team also is much more talented than those Celtics teams. Because those Celtics teams, most of those young Celtics teams didn't have Jason Tatum yet. Most of those young Celtics teams had like uh, a a pretty good rotational Jalen Brown, not the Jalen Brown they have now. The Cavs have a legitimate superstar in Donovan Mitchell. That gets you a seat at the table. That gets you probably to a top four seat. That gets you to probably winning at least one playoff series. And then it's on the Dariuses, the Evan Mobleys, the the Jared Allen, and and kind of the rest of the talent and how you play together to see if you can go ahead and be more than that. But the East, the East is winnable. And it's loaded, by the way. The Cavs could easily be a team that is within a half game to two games of the top seed in the Eastern Conference with 20 games to go. Just as as easily as that, they could be the sixth seed. I'm not really buying the Knicks as a real deal. But the 76ers, as long as you have Joel Embiid and uh, that Maxi kid's playing really great, James Harden is good. He's just not who he was. The Nets have talent. The Celtics, we've talked about. I think Miami is a lurking giant there. Toronto, I still think, is very talented, even though they're the 10th seed right now. So there's going to be a lot of push and pull in the Eastern Conference. The Cavs could be anywhere from the fifth seed to, to the you know, second seed, maybe first seed. But my question for you guys is, what do you need to see from the Cavs before you think they can win the East in the regular season? Let's go with Clark. Clark, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Ah, it's going all right, buddy. What you got for us? Good. So I think the Cavs can um, compete for the Eastern Conference Championship. First of all, I think the number one reason is, if you look at the stats, the team winning stats, net rating and defense, those are things that I think when you look at the top teams in the league, you if you look at those ratings, you'll see the top teams there. If you look at champions, you'll see the top teams there. Defense travels. 
you can be hot shooting, you can be cold, but when you hold defense, when you hold other teams down from what they're normally scoring, that's when you're going to win, and that's why we win. I think one key will be unlocking uh, Mobley, but the key to unlocking Mobley is somebody must sacrifice their shots. That person is Darius Garland. I've seen Darius Garland um, kind of force it this year. He's not shooting as well, in my opinion, because he's trying to force it, and I think he wants to maintain what he did last year, scoring. I don't need him to do that. I want him to average a double-double. I want him to uh, average between someone between 15 and 20 points, but I need him around 9 to 10 assists, and he is the key to unlocking Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley can't get his own shots. He doesn't bring the ball up. Somebody has to make Evan Mobley, has to unlock him, and Darius Garland is the one. Um, Donovan Mitchell is a tank. He can score um, elite at all three levels, and he is play, he plays bigger than he is. He is going to get his 29 points a night. I want him to stay there because he's the one I trust in the clutch. I yeah, need I, Darius to make that sacrifice. I think the other big thing with Darius is, and I thank you for the call, I, I think you make a couple of really good points there, especially about unlocking Evan Mobley. That'll be the difference in the playoffs to me. If you can get it, and it's not about scoring. It is about unlocking another player who can score at a specific level because that then starts to impact defensive gravity. That's going to open up more shots for Donovan and Darius if Evan is is more dangerous in, in the playoffs. So and I'm speaking specifically on his just his ability to score. I also would like to see Darius... Darius and Donovan, both Donovan has to keep up what he's doing from the outside. Darius needs to shoot about 38, 39, 40% all year long. Because I just, I, at least as currently constructed, I think you, I know stopping the three is most important defensively. I also think you need to shoot the three better more consistently as the season goes on. Let's go with Ray. Ray, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey, first let me say happy holidays to you and your family. Right back to you, buddy. Thank you. Okay, so let me say this. That caller was completely wrong, and I'm going to tell you why. Real quick. <laughs> I think the Cavs has enough to be to take the East, and, and, and because we keep forgetting that the Cavs beat the Celtics this year, not once, but twice, and they just walked Milwaukee. Let's not with, with the with, so Real quick, Ray, I'll give you a chance to answer after this. I, I would say we're, we're talking about games in October, November, and December. Okay, it's but, it's tough to take that and then flip it forward to, to down the stretch and, and certainly into the playoffs. Okay, but here it is. The only reason people are talking about the Celtics is because what they're doing now. Like you no, gotta take this no the, the Celtics thing is a cumulative thing, right? They, yeah, they, but, Jay, but Tatum forget. and Brown have they're, – they're both great scoring and defending wings, and they've been consistently good over the last three or four years. And the Cavs have won a championship, and that's rebuilt to a team that's, that's a, a, a legitimately – can win it again. Like, let's not take what we see because, okay, you might be looking for a bigger name, but the Cavs have beat both of the teams that they say that they can't, that we, that Charles Barkley said we need to beat. Yeah, so, I, I, real quick, Ray, buddy, I thank you for the call. Um, Charles is talking about the playoffs. And I actually, I, I everybody knows this. The playoffs are a completely different animal. What really, what really truly matters in the playoffs is do you have superstar talent? And if that superstar talent can play out on the wing and is an elite offensive player, 
um, even better. That's actually the highest level of, of, of thing that you can have that matters in the playoffs. Do you have enough elite-level players? Um, I, I think if you're basing the Cavs' ability to win the East based off of you already beat Boston twice in Milwaukee last night, I think you're jumping the gun a little bit. I, th- I think more needs to be seen from this team. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.